fans and welcome to the big blue box podcast my name's gary my name's adam and welcome to episode 344 oh yes Welcome to another episode, another week. This is 344. I hope you are keeping well and safe wherever you are in the world. It's great to have you here, new time listeners. If this is the first time listening to The Big Blue Box, then welcome aboard. It's great to have you here. If you're a long-time listener, one of the grizzled ancients, then welcome back too. It is lovely to have you all here. Mm. Uh, What did we do last week? Did you guys check out last week? What was that? Planet, Planet of Giants. Planet of Giants. Yeah, that, that was a strange one. We got some uh, big ants. Couple of, got a couple of tweets in the follow-up to that one saying, oh, uh, yeah. saying uh, yeah, it's a funny old story, that one. Like you mentioned in our review, it's got all the ingredients there, but just a little bit a little bit weird, a little bit like, why is it not a classic? Mm. Yeah. But it's not the end of the day. Some people might consider it a classic. I think one of our reviewers did say it was amazing and a, a nine or something out of ten but it's enjoyable it's no uh it's no web planet is it where it's really hard to get through like it's it's mm. perfectly watchable to anyone yeah. that hasn't seen it but yeah not not a belter of a classic not a belter no but still still a good one still a good one uh right um we haven't got any news to go through this week and we're going to get on to our usual classic infamous Big blue box waffle in a second. But how have you been, dude? I know you went to a to a certain thing at the weekend. How was that? Yeah, yeah, another Doctor Who screening at the BFI. Um, must be the first one this year, isn't it? Kind of lost track of time, mm. but yeah, it yeah, it was a uh, another cracking event. Actually, really enjoyable. Uh, so this time, uh, obviously, to promote the new season twenty two box set, which still hasn't got a date. Uh, even Justin Johnson, the guy who sort of compares these events, said called out to the audience because he always have a lot of the BBC lot there and the people that work on it. Even he said, uh, have we got a date for this yet? And there was just a tumbleweed silence. He's like, all oh, right. Um, but mm-hmm. it's strange because normally with the BFI events, they line them up to be normally about two weeks before the release, don't they? It's normally they have the event and then about two weeks later, the box set comes out. But I don't know, maybe there's some delay on it or something. Uh, but it was great. So they screened Revelation of the Daleks, the Six Doctor story. Um which, like a lot of people in the audience, um, it's a really dark, grim story, that. But like a lot of people in the audience, I'd forgotten there is a lot of humour in it, uh, all being dark humour. And as we've said many times, being in an audience environment watching it, there was a lot of laughter in places. And and I picked up a lot of things <laughs> from that story that I think I don't normally notice, particularly the humour in it. Um but it's quite, you can see why the BBC knuckled down on the violence. There's a few scenes in it, like when she stabs him with the needle and there's a bit where mm. Davros's fingers get shot off and um, there's a couple of really quite nasty scenes in it. That You know, the glass Dalek is, to this day, fr- freaks the hell out of me. 
Uh, I think it's scary and in a good way. I think it looks amazing. So it was great to see that on the big screen. And uh, Colin Baker, uh, Nicola Bryant, and I forgot the other chap's name. Um, I want to say Timothy Spall, but I've probably got that completely wrong. Let me have a quick look on Google. Was it Revelation? Colin Spall, sorry, Timothy Colin Spall. Spall. Yeah. Colin Spall. Uh, were in, came up on stage and, and uh, did a chat. And um, Colin, I think this is the thing with age, and I think me and you can slightly appreciate this as well. You get more emotional as you get older, don't you? Like the littlest thing can sort of set you off and you start getting a bit, not teary, yes. but a bit of mush. And um, they showed a couple of exclusive little scenes from the extras. So we're getting some really great new extras on the season 22 box set. And uh, they showed us a couple of little clips from what we can expect, which they always do. So there was like a location thing that they showed us, which looks brilliant. And Colin got up on stage with Nicola and he was really, really emotional. He said, gosh, that's really like got to me uh, watching that. Um, he said, because it's just taken me right back to when we filmed that scene and, and, and you know, and the TARDIS being on the hill just takes me straight back in time to when we filmed that back in the 1980s. And, um, and they just had a massive hug on stage and then Justin Johnson obviously interviewed them, the three of them. And it was it was just brilliant because Colin, as you know, he he will uh, doesn't be around the bush. He, he gets straight to the point. And this is the era when Doctor Who was put on hiatus. And they did show a uh, clip of Michael Grade. There's a new interview of Michael Grade and Matthew Sweet on the Blu-ray set. And Colin made a joke about that. He's like, I didn't want to see him on the big screen and all this. So <laughs> it was a fantastic um interview on stage and yet again just another brilliant event i can't wait for that box set um it's i've said many times colin era is not my favorite because as a kid i found it too dark and grim but the more i rewatch it and uh the more i sort of look into it and colin in particular actually really goes up in my estimation every time i watch one of his stories um yeah so looking forward to that box set it's a really good day obviously our roving reporter maria was there um as was Harry, who does articles for us, and Mark as well. So we had a bit of a big blue box uh, uh, representation there. And Maria will be doing a, a write-up on the whole day. So I'm looking forward to hearing her thoughts on it. Yeah, she will. Yeah, sounds like a good day as well, that one. It was yeah, really good. Day. Yeah, it's very yeah. cool. Yes. Oh, that sounds cool indeed. Um, I haven't done anything Doctor Who-y so far this week, other than watch a little bit of Torchwood for our review, of course. Mm. But I've not done anything else other than that. But you and I are going to a BFI event, but it's not Doctor Who related. Which <laughs> no, is, that's right. Yeah. It'll be amazing. Yeah. So off topic, nothing to do with Doctor Who. But you and I are off to the BFI. This is really weird. We haven't, I haven't been able to get to the last two, maybe three BFI mm, events, I think, least, for Doctor yeah. Who. And then this one comes up and you and I are like, yep, we're going, that's it, <laughs> job done. We actually stopped really recording cool. last week's podcast specifically so we could both jump online and get tickets for it, didn't we? So that yeah, was really nice. So we yeah. both knew we'd got tickets and we're both going. Uh, go on, tell them what it is. So it's not Doctor Who. What else could it be? What could it be? It's only something <laughs> that we've mentioned a billion times as well. <laughs> it's not Blake. No, it's not it's Blake. Not Blake. No. no, it's old all Wurzel. Wurzel, we dip. We're going to a Wurzel Gummage event at the BFI, which is really cool. They're going to show... Uh, three episodes on the bounce which is really cool some some uh they i think they're releasing a new box set with like recently restored remastered mm. stuff at last which is which is unbelievable so yeah so unrelated come down to the bfi <laughs> we'll be there on sunday the something of april the 11th i think something like that i can't yeah i can't remember the top of my head which uh where's the wedding you're wearing that day uh i might wear my 
Yeah, I might wear my smart head on that one. You know, with a little monocle. Oh, on that's the one I was going to pick. Oh, that's you're going to wear that. Okay. No, I, was, I, was gonna, I was just about to say to you, which is the one with the monocle. That's the one I was going. Well, if you're having that one, um, <laughs> which one? What other one can I have? A sulking head? What other heads did he have? He had loads, didn't he? He did. Or yeah. I might go as um, old turnip head. That scary. <laughs> <laughs> Turnip head, yeah, or sweet head, whatever it sweet was. Sweet head, yeah. yeah, 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 I might go as well as him. Yeah, bloody hell. I put my. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was funny, the old, um, the the proper head or the good looking head or whatever it was. Yeah. With the monocle and the shaped eyebrows and stuff and, yeah, the eyelashes. <laughs> a bit yeah. scary in a way, also, but. Yeah, there is something a bit scary yeah. about about that, that, the old series, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we're looking forward to a bit of Pertwee action, a bit of Wurzel. Um, and uh, yeah, we won't report back because this is not a Wurzel podcast, but uh, yeah, should be yeah, well, good. Come down and meet us though, Sunday the 10th of April. Sunday the 10th, there we go. There we go. It's yeah. actually, I, not to not to bang on about Wurzel, but I was saying the other day when I, when I was talking about booking these tickets, it surprises me how much I love the new series of Wurzel because, you know, being, it's, it's a bit like if they re- remade Blake 7 now, I think... When you love something from that era, it you know they when they remake it, no matter how good it is, it never recaptures that nostalgia for you. So it's never as good. But they're very different, the new series and the old series of Wurzel. And yeah, I love both. They've somehow managed to be completely new and modern, but yet somehow capture that innocent essence of the old Wurzel series, haven't they? It's uh, it's quite unique. I'm. It just surprises me that I love both um almost equally i think the classic just edges it but i love the new series of wurzel and you do too don't you yeah i do yeah i need to watch the last couple i haven't seen oh, the last yet, one but, is uh, fantastic yeah they are good though they are yeah, good but i'm and, glad uh, about that because imagine if we didn't imagine if it was like oh that blimmin new series of wurzel it's nothing is like the old one <laughs> and we really hated it but no it's very good it is yeah it's his handsome head that one's called handsome head Handsome head, and he had clever head, and a few others. Didn't yeah. he have a sulking head. head? I'm going to have a sulking head on. Yeah. So we have not done anything else, Doctor Who. Adam's no. been out and about as usual. <laughs> and uh, yes, before we get on to our review, we're on to Torchwood again this week. Mm. Not a proper new story as such, but uh, it is another one of those little things that have been out and about in the socials for a few days now. So Mr. Eccleston was over at. Uh, a convention in Australia, Supernova, down under. And they were quizzing him on, as always, you know, when this thing ramps up, you know, as we get closer to the 60th. Yeah. And there's the usual chat these days of multi-doctor stories to celebrate and all that stuff. He was inevitably quizzed about that. And he's a little bit lone wolf on this one. He's a Mm. little bit, yeah, I've got no interest in being a team player because they said to him, you know, like I said, inevitably, what's going on with the Ninth Doctor? Is he coming back for anything? And he basically said, you know, he went on and uh, I'm not going to quote word for word, but essentially said he's never been a huge fan of multi-Doctor stories. Yeah, so they he were he has a, Yeah, he has a strong ideas about what works and what doesn't. And he always thinks that multi-Doctor stories are just a, a, a cash cow and exploitation. He said creatively they never worked for him. He said, when he looked at the script for the 50th anniversary, he said, he said, uh, I felt as soon as I said I wasn't doing it, it got better off because, well, uh, if I'm not in it, then it's better. So the creation of the War Doctor, he thought, was a, was a whole new facet to the canon, which is good. And then he said the Ninth Doctor in particular is a one-man band. Mm. 
Definitely. He said, so he doesn't work with other doctors. So he said, if you want me back, you'd get me on my own. So that's another nail in the coffin. So anyone that was um, <laughs> hoping for that little glimmer of just a chance that he might come back for the 60th and put all the, all the stuff behind him and just have a really cool celebratory episode, that is even more shot to bits now. So not only do we have this feud that's not active, but, you know, that happened back in the day with Russell that has put him off coming back to on-screen Doctor Who. Remember, this is Chris Eccleston, so audio only. And now he's also said that he's just not a fan and would never do a multi-Doctor story. Mm. So this is a two-pronged FU to Russell and and anyone hoping for that, mate. So are you surprised by this? I'm not really. Not at all, no. I was saying to you before we recorded, I, I really like liked Chris as the Doctor. And I liked Chris... But he started to get on my wick a bit, actually. The more he, the, the more he bangs on about, like he, he stayed away from Doctor Who for so long, and then he came back, and he just seems to spend every interview getting more and more um, angry about it, and and laying down the law. And I don't know. I mean, I'm entitled to his opinions and stuff, but yeah, I'm just a bit sick of it. It's like, all right, Chris, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But don't mm. don't keep. Yeah, I don't know. It's like he sort of dangles the carrot all the time, and it kind of annoys me a bit, you know. So I'm yeah. going off him a little bit, <laughs> but I still like him. I still lo- I still love the Ninth Doctor, and I think he was amazing in it. But yeah, I watched a little video clip of that of him on stage saying all this stuff, and I just just kind of rubbed me up the wrong way a little bit, to be honest with you. Mm. Especially when he yeah. he went from hero yeah. to zero as well, because he said uh, William Hartnell is the grandfather of us all, and I was like, yes. And he went, and Jodie Whittaker is the best Doctor, and I went, oh, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you were doing so well. You were doing well, and then you tripped over. But the multi-doctor thing, I don't know. Is it, I think what what annoys you about Chris is that he can be a bit um, hypocritical, you know. He's banging on about that being a cash cow, but he's quite happy to charge £95 for his autograph at a convention. Um, you know, he isn't doing conventions. He is doing conventions. He's never going to do Big Finish. They offer him some money. He is doing Big Finish. Seeing as he says stuff and then just completely does the opposite. So, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, a bit tired a bit weird of it, yeah, it's a bit weird with that stuff, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, from my point of view, I, I'm, I'd be more than happy for. Uh, don't get me wrong, I would love to see Chris's Doctor rock up and and have a good old adventure with the other Doctors. It would be great to see. Don't get me wrong, but if you know, if we've settled and and uh, have accepted the fact that he's not going to be there, then that's all good. We now need to move on to priority number two which is making sure the classic Doctors are in there somehow. That's what would work for me. That I'd love that. So Ninth Doctor not in it? Yeah. Okay, make your peace with that. Now let's try and, you know, not over-hype it or set too high expectations, but let's just hope that the classic Doctors are, are going to make an appearance as outside of a funny little skit in the in the special features, maybe. Yeah, I'd be more excited yeah. for McGann, in all honesty. I I think that's what I mean when I say I'm getting a bit peed off with Chris. It's just a fed up of him keep getting up on stage saying, well, I might do this, if that, and, you know, if you get this director, I might do it, but I have to be on my own. Like, laying down all these laws and stuff, I'm, like, I'm not really that bothered. I'd just get McGann in and give him a, a solo series, which would work at any point in time. Like, you could so easily do the Eighth Doctor Adventures and people would love it and stuff, you know. So I'm not too bothered, Chris, if, if you've got all these demands don't worry about it <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll just get McGann yeah. or someone like that in. or Tennant someone who just loves the show he's massive fanboy who would come back in a heartbeat and even Matt mm-hmm. Smith I think to an extent you know 
Don't worry about it, Chris. Well, that's kind of what they allude to in this. um, (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what they allude to in this article at the Radio Times, where after they've given that uh, quote from him at, at the convention, they try and sweeten it a little bit and not end on too much of a downer. They do say that Russell T Davis has been advocating for a Doctor Who shared universe of shows similar to what he masterminded with the initial run alongside Torchwood and Sarah Jane, etc. So there is a chance that he might start to write spin-off shows for another Doctor. You know, we might have a McGann series spin-off, we might have a Ninth Doctor mm. Eccleston. So, you know, we might have those solo Doctors appearing in their own little spin-off yeah. series and stuff. A bit like what uh, a bit like what Star Wars does at the moment with uh, with the Disney Plus things where you have the main saga of films and then they do just one series about Boba Fett and they'll do one series about Ahsoka and one series about somebody else. So they, he might go down that road and explore that a bit more. Who knows? But mm, Which would totally work. I yeah. Think. Could totally I work. think so. Mm. Yeah, I think so. And I think, uh, you know, not to, um, not to put too fine a point on it, but I think Doctor Who needs to look into that kind of stuff in order to compete with the, with the wider world of just that genre at the minute. You know, you look at all of these things, Marvel and Star Wars and DC are doing it now and lots of other things where it's almost expected in the sci-fi genre to have some kind of expanded thing going on. So don't get me wrong, there's something lovely about Doctor Who being this nice little corner of British sci-fi that's represented globally and stuff. It's very cool in its own little pocket. But I think, you know, if they want to really seriously consider a big old ratings push and, and expanding it and and doing all that stuff, I think it needs to have a bit more, a little bit more reach with some spin-offs and stuff. Yeah, 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 definitely. Who knows, but enough waffle and news and whatnot. We're on to our review. What is it this week, bud? Yeah, so we're continuing the torch for Children of Earth and we're on day four. Commander Kondo has got nothing to fear. So you watch it and you keep watching. We want 10% of the children of this world. And if we refuse... Your entire species. What now? Either we go to war against an enemy we can't beat, or we go to war against our own people for their own good. Oh dear. <laughs> Things are not looking good for Torchwood, are they, at this point? No. No, no, no. No good. <laughs> So day four then, it was first broadcast back on the 9th of July, 2009. It is about an hour long, this one. These have all been about 15 minutes-ish, 55 minutes. Yeah. And this one was written by John Fay, directed by Eurus Lin, and stars the the usual Torchwood crew that have been in this series so far. So uh, John Barrowman, Eve Miles, Gwen Cooper, Kai Owen, and Gareth David Lloyd. The synopsis for day four is Torchwood finally learns of the events of 1965. Britain is in danger of becoming a rogue state and everything pivots around John Frobisher and the ambassador of the 456, sorry, as the ambassador of the 456 destroys its old allegiances, i.e. Clem. Clem, yeah. Or, or, or Captain Jack. Yeah. So day four, dude, do we continue the really good run that we've reviewed so far for series three, Children of Earth, or is this the first dud? What do you reckon? No, for me, it's another belter. Uh, I, I thought it was another great, great instalment. Um, in fact, I've, all four days have been of such high quality, I think. It's really good sci-fi. And, uh, and I think the writing's good. 
Um, there are bits there if you want to nitpick. I was thinking, you know, there's no way that Lewis Abiba would be in the room uh, being a new temp in such an important <laughs> meeting. That would just never happen. You know, you could nitpick. But um, in terms of just entertainment and good science fiction and keeping me enthralled in the ongoing story, uh, I thought it was a, a good episode. And um, in, in fact, I thought it was a very good episode. It, it, it was... It took its time. It wasn't fast paced. It just slowly built and built and built. Um, so there was, you know, there wasn't much action, but there was still lots going on. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, once again, we get another cracking uh, sort of last twenty minutes. It all kicks off. I mean, the stuff with the, you know, the alien, the four, five, six releasing the toxin was just brilliant. It just showed how ruthless they are, and it was another how are they going to get out of this moment. Uh, and a lot of people don't, including one of the main cast, which we'll get on to. So, yeah, I, for me, I thought it was another really good instalment and uh, I've enjoyed all four days and I really hope it's got a good payoff. Um, as I've said on the other reviews, I cannot remember day five. I can't remember how this ends. I can't remember if it's good. I think I remember liking it, so I really don't know. And uh, and once again, this episode left me really wanting to to go on to the next day and finish off the story. It, it had you know really really looking forward to seeing how this series concludes because so far I think it's been brilliant and I've really enjoyed it more. I enjoyed it at the time. I was slightly worried I wouldn't enjoy it as much, you know, going back and rewatching it. But actually, if anything. I think I've enjoyed it even more so far. So really hoping day five's good. But yeah, day four was was a very good instalment for me. Certainly left me itching to get on to the final part. Yeah. What about yourself? Yeah, same, same similar thoughts to yeah. you, dude. I think this um I'm just loving this series so much. Me it too. really is yeah. a, a real great just a great example of solid writing for this for Doctor in the world of Doctor Who and Torchwood specifically, it's mm. such a great, it's such a great mix of action and suspense and suspense and heartache and you know other some other emotions you can throw in there as well. It's I don't know. Again, this episode seems to have it all. It seems to have the 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 typical things that you would expect to see in Torchwood. So Captain Jack being Captain Jack, mm. um, albeit slightly more down and emotional in this Something. one as he was in the last episode yeah we've got the action stuff with the chase scene and the uh the 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 military whoever they are the military guys who are headed up by um johnson you know who are chasing down torchwood and they arrive in but you know uh, gwen's just cool as ice she's like yeah we've yeah, been expecting brilliant. you and all that and the alien itself you know it's and we had that little surprise as well when that guy goes into the chamber with the camera and we find out that one of the kids from 1965 is in there. Yeah, that I know the, that. I'd completely forgotten about that. Yeah, that's connected to the alien itself. Creepy and, as hell. Yeah, and then the climax of the episode where we say a very sad farewell to, to Yanto who, who meets his demise mm. in this one. So apologies, listener spoilers. Yanto dies in this one. Yeah. And, uh, I'm sure you've yeah, also so, the shrine by now. You must know yeah. <laughs> the shrine. Yeah, um, it's all it's all there, man. It's all the ingredients are there, and the good thing is, is that in a way, it kind of how do I say this nicely without upsetting many people? Um, in a way, this is kind of a, a lesson on how to do a series arc story mm. effectively. Who are you talking to? 
Can't. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you aiming this at? So I'm, I don't no, mean to I throw was, any shade yeah. against um, series 13. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to throw any shade against, I can't even remember the number, the series 13 and that series wide arc in any way. But this is a really, really good example of, because like we've said at the end of every, the last three and now this one, when we've got to the end of the episode, it's like, I really want to watch the next one. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it until we review it the next time. Now, again, I'm not throwing shade. But when we when we reviewed each episode of series thirteen, we never said that. When mm-hmm. we got to the end of the episode, we never said once. I was really tempted to go and fish out details about the next episode or say anything like, "I absolutely can't wait until next week mm-hmm. to watch the next one." It just didn't happen. Whereas this, it's really weird. It's almost like um. Like the first two series of Torchwood, it was like, right, we're just going to follow the formula that we've done with Doctor Who. And um, we'll do the Creature of the Week episodes, we'll do a little bit of arc, we'll do a little bit of character development. And uh, it was just really up and down for us, wasn't it? Yeah. It was some episodes we thought, oh, that was a belter, that's like a an eight or a nine, and this one's a three or a four. Um, so they've really turned a corner with just finding their feet with the characters in this series, which is a... On one, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. On one hand, it's a shame that we only get five episodes. Mm. On the other hand, I think that works in its favour because you've only got five episodes to progress your characters. So most notably, we've got Captain Jack's progression. So the other Torchwood members are finding out now that he's not he's actually got a bit of a shady past. Yeah. And he's done... So the, the, the whole thing with him, and you can see the guilt in his face, which is acted very well by John Barrowman, is that he admits to handing over the kids back in 1965. Mm. At the time, he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought, you know, it's a small number of kids, they won't be missed. Sounds horrific, but, you know, that was the thing. It's like, they won't be missed. Mm. In exchange, the planet saved because these aliens are going to release this deadly toxin. And uh, and they say, they've said that if we hand over the kids, you know, we'll get the, anti, the antidote. Mm. Uh, which is great. So, and then fast forward in time, you've got Clem, who's absolutely crap in his pants because he knows what Captain Jack's capable of. So he doesn't trust him. Yeah. And then, uh, and then around that, you've point. got the <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then around that, you've got the mini sort of character development, I guess, with Yanto and his relationship with Jack. Mm. And you've got Gwen and her relationship with Reese, which has now come on a bit. Mm. Um, and she's very dish. She's a very. We'll come on to this in a minute. But she's a very different Gwen versus series one and two Gwen. Because in series one and two, she was very flirty with other people, very happy to be a bit naughty with other people. Whereas in this one, it's all about Reese. There's a bit where Johnson turns up and she's like, "We've been expecting you. Everything's been recorded. Right now, my gorgeous husband." <laughs> you know, is off somewhere with a laptop. So the way that she talks about Reese and the way that she describes him is really different to how we've seen her in the past. So, mm. um, yeah, so in that five episodes, you've only got five eps to, you know, to progress your characters throughout the story and also tell a story, in this case, the alien invasion, the four, five, six. So I'm loving it. I honestly think this is one of the best. I said it again when, when I finished watching it last night. I, I was on my own and I sat forward and I thought, and I just, I said out loud to myself, Jesus, this is like some of the best sci-fi television I've watched in ages. Mm. It really is. It's just all the points are, are there. It's, um, 
I'm struggling to find much in the way of negatives, if I'm being honest with yeah, you. Yeah. I think if if I had to put one negative to the story, it would be um when the so the four five six who have said um we want ten percent of the children of the of the planet. Yeah. The the reaction by the Prime Minister and the American political generals and, you know, all those people. Um, I find it very hard to believe that their first instinct would, would not be to, you know, because a, a common thing that we have with uh, every major country in the world, I guess, it's questionable now in the day we're living in right now, but for the most mm. part, we don't negotiate with terrorists, foreign or domestic. Mm. You know, it's just something that the countries don't do. So I found that bit a little bit hard to swallow that they that their instinct was to not say, okay, well, this is definitely not happening. We're absolutely not going to surrender any of the children. And if you know, if you want to scrap, then it's a scrap. And it came down. I, I guess in a way they had to do that because it led up to the climax of Jack having to say it. Yeah, him and Yanto bursting in there like, if you want war, then let's have it, sort of thing. But I just find it difficult to swallow that that was the reaction of the prime minister and the other officials. But other than that, this is great stuff, dude really great stuff and it's um do you find that the climax throughout the series is building up nicely as well it's not just a ebb and flow and up and down like we've had recently D- definitely i think i think as i said that's why i'm hoping the last episode is a satisfying conclusion because it's um it's really surprised me how well this has stood up i expected it to be feel a bit dated and uh and i i didn't expect it to be as good as i remembered it I thought when we, when we would go back and rewatch this because it's what two thousand and nine, this went out. Yeah. So you know it's it's a few years passed by. I I am surprised how good it looks. I'm surprised how uh, well written it is. I'm surprised how good the cast in it. I mean Barryman, you know, he's great as Captain Jack just in general, but he does have good and bad episodes, and his performance does flit about from series one and two. He's been consistently excellent in this. Uh, series and especially this episode because we really get to see the like you said the more somber side of jack um the the sort of character as well we've always known jack's a bit shady there's a lot we don't know about him and i think out of all the characters in torchwood he's the one that you can buy into the fact that he would do that with the children back in 1965 because he has to jack's character can be quite calculated and he will always do what he thinks is for the greater good, if you like. You know, he's going to do he's going to mm. do the thing that makes sense, even if it means giving away. Uh, was it twelve children? You know, so it sounds yeah. really harsh, but you think well, if anyone's going to do that, Jack would do it because he'll be thinking it's twelve children or the Earth, the rest of the population. So of course, um, but you can't see sort of Gwen doing it. So it, it makes sense for Jack to have, have played that part. And um, but the the whole cast, like you said, Gwen, everybody, Reese. Um, I'm really liking uh, Lewis as well. I, I really wish she like went on to join the Tortured team. They're all working so well together and helping this to be such an entertaining series. But just comes back to what you just said. I, I said the same thing when I switched it off. This is great sci-fi. It's really good science fiction. So any little bits, like you said, about the meeting room or bits that you could say, well, come on, she that wouldn't happen. She wouldn't be in the room, would she? That sort of thing. You can overlook it. I think you can forgive it because it's 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 so uh, engaging as a story. 
that those little things don't really bug me. And the thing with the meter roommate is I think what was interesting about that is it makes you think because you put yourself in that position because you're sort of gasping at the fact they're even contemplating giving them, you know, so many thousand children. But then what is the solution? There is no answer to it. So you immediately put yourself in their position and think, well, what would I, what would I do? Well, gonna... And that's what I like about Frobisher, uh, Capalda's character is, I think he sort of represents us in a way that he's just being used and he's just there. He's like the family man. He's the, you know, he, he can see, we can see things from his point of view that he just is horrified by this, but he has no answer to it. And I think that's sort of the, where, where, where you are as a viewer. So it's an interesting dilemma. I think that, that, that scene, uh, like you said, it probably yeah, wouldn't yeah. happen in real life. You'd, you'd certainly like to think it wouldn't, but um, but it does give you an interesting moral dilemma, which is at the crux of this story. And and um, and it's great when Jack and Yanto burst. It's like Torchwood are here. Okay, they're going to sort it all out. They're going to everything's fine, guys. And you think this could easily start <laughs> wrapping up, but no, it takes another brilliant twist. And uh, and obviously, poor old Yanto dies. Which um, I wish I could transport my back to two thousand nine because I'm sure I would have been really shocked by that. Um, I must have been. Uh, you know, I can't imagine I watched it and said, "Oh, I saw that coming," because. I don't think you do. You've no idea when him and Jack burst in. They they feel like a great double act, actually. And uh, I don't think I would have had any idea at the time that Yanto was going to s- snuff it. It's quite emotional, really. Yeah. I think it's a mm-hmm. nice scene with um, Jack and Gwen at the end when they, you know, Jack just, th- there's just no words. Jack's just like, I just can't believe it. So, it's a, yeah, it's an emotional ending to this. But yeah. It is an emotional one, actually. It, yeah. it is a bit emotional. Yeah. yeah. Because um, you can tell that Yanto's desperate to get inside Jack's head a little bit more. Mm. He's still a little bit a little bit upset that this is quite a serious big thing that happened since they've started to look into this and everything's kicked off. And he's a little bit upset that Jack didn't say this to him because he kind of expects him, look, we're colleagues, of course. Yeah. We work at Torchwood, but I also expected as a partner that you would tell me this sort of thing. It's a bit of a big thing to not say. And that, again, adds to that sort of elusive aloof uh, um, sort of Jack's decision to keep things to himself mm. even to Yanto and that really tears him apart because uh, you know Jack Jack knows that he's he's kind of sort of effed up in a way in terms of how he's treated Yanto a little bit because when Yanto's literally dying in his arms Yanto does say that he loves him mm. and he's like no you shouldn't you shouldn't love me because he's, he's, he knows he knows that he's potentially handle things a little bit. And I think he kind of, he always goes back to that scripted answer with that sort of thing, isn't he? Where he's lived a long time. He's seen a lot of things. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and that's, that's his own personal history. And he doesn't want to inflict, you know, some of the bad stuff that he's done. He doesn't want to let people in and, and tell them that stuff. So you can tell that Yanto is absolutely torn apart by it. And, uh, so that adds to the emotional impact, I guess, at the end. It's not just a case of somebody from Torchwood's going to be killed. Here they are dying. That's it. Sad times. We crack on and, and we solve the case. It's not like that in this one. You can tell that they're, they're really cut up about it. So Gwen's at the, at the end and she she goes to see the bodies and obviously she expects Jack to wake up. That's fine. Mm, yeah. But then she looks at Yanto and uh, yeah, and he's gone and she can't, you know, she can't hold it in and she breaks down and then Jack... So it it really does add to the to the to the weights of the story, the weight of the characters. Because I think 
we kind of had this a little bit in the previous series where where um uh what's his face dies burn Go- um what's his name owen uh owen sorry when owen dies in the previous series yeah we kind of had that a little bit that was a little bit emotional but nothing like this you know this was more of a one of the torture team is down mm. and they're out you know there's a there's a there's a bit of a carry on after that, but then it feels like no time at all. They're back into it, you know. Whereas it doesn't feel like that with this. It, f- it really does feel like it's cut a hole in them. Yeah, because I'm expecting Jack yeah. to really be fired up now. I don't, I can't remember if he is, but I'm expecting him to be pretty peed off in the next episode and guns blazing. <laughs> I think he's going to go in, and I'm assuming he's going to go in and sort that thing out, whatever the four, five, six mm. is. Um, but I'll tell you what's pleasantly surprising is that the relationship between Jack and Yanto is nowhere near as forced and cringy as I remembered it being, uh, if you know what I mean. It feels it does actually feel quite quite a good uh, relationship between the two of them. Although they've only really sort of got together in this series, um, there's been the odd flirty moment and stuff. And I mean, Yanto really didn't do much in series one at all. So it's mainly series two and then we've had most of it in this. But yeah, my memory, I felt... I thought it was a gimmicky thing. You know, that's how I remembered it. Oh, yeah, Jack and Yanto are together and it's all funny lines and quips. And But actually re-watching it, it hasn't been like that, really. It's been quite a good, you know, it's been quite a mm. good, uh, quite well written. And um, the, the two of them have, have played it well. Like that scene when Yanto's a bit annoyed with Jack for not telling him about his daughter and stuff. And yeah, it's been, again, it's been a pleasant surprise that it's been better than I remembered it in terms of the way it's been done. So there is more of yeah, an emotional same. impact, if you know what I mean. The, when he's cradling Yanto at the end, it is actually pretty sad. It's a, it's a sad scene. Yeah. And it affected a lot of fans as well. We know about the shrine that was... The shrine, that yeah. Was, ...that was erected in... Uh, it was down by... Oh, some... Down by the bay in Cardiff, wasn't it? It was... Uh, I assume it's where they the Torchwood Hub. It's the entrance bay. bit, is it? Yeah, so that was... Uh, yeah, literally straight after, pretty much when the episode went out, they started putting up, you know, bits and pieces, a shrine to Yanzo. And I think it stayed there till 2013, I oh, think it was. Oh, is it not there anymore? Because I've been, I've only been to Cardiff once in my life and uh, I did go to the shrine. I've got a picture with it somewhere, but is it not there anymore? Um, it was moved to somewhere oh. else and I can't remember where it was moved to. It was down by um, uh, Mermaid Key in Cardiff initially, yeah. Uh, and I think it was, yeah, 2012, 2013, something like that. And then they moved it somewhere. It's still there somewhere, but it's, um, I can't remember exactly where it is in Wales now, but right. still there. You can still go and pay your respects. To, uh, I think there was a pair of knickers hanging up when I went to see it. There was all sorts on that wall. <laughs> <laughs> Photos, oh, you name it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a popular character, wasn't he, at this point? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. Mm. Yes. What do you think to old 456 at the minute then? So still a foreboding menacing alien that we've seen this is not he doesn't go down like a weevil this one no no and it yeah. is it's still creepy and you think what i like about it is we're sort of desperate to see it and they've managed to keep it kind of in the shadows up till now but then he invites the cameraman to go in and see him and i'm thinking right how are they going to handle this then are we going to see it um and they sort of do it a bit like a a classic old sort of um sci-fi movie don't they so it's got that atmosphere about it where you you do see glimpses of it but you don't really see it properly (laughs) but then you do get a glimpse of a figure attached to it which is um really well done i mean you know it's it's a blink and you'll miss it moment but you see that there's something attached 
to the creature, which it, it turns out was one of the children, which is horrific. But it's um it's really well done. I mean, it's so creepy, and it is frightening. You know, when that guy's going in, you're you're just waiting for that thing to lash out because that's what it mm-hmm. keeps doing, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's, it's great. Yeah, I mean, we still haven't yeah. seen it properly. Like we've sort of, I think we think in our minds we know what it is because we've seen little bits of it. And I think we've, I've sort of pieced it together in my mind. I don't know about you. I sort of think I know what it, what it is. But yeah, now it's got this kid attached to it as well with this sort of horrific, it's all sort of um, amalgamated into the body, isn't it? So like oh, the mouth is covered and just looks like, um, yeah, something like out of Alien or something is very well it's done. Horrific, yeah. yeah, and it's it, like you said, it just adds even more to the sort of horror, scary element of the four, five, six, which in reality is just a thing in a box going lashing out, going mad, spewing up all over the box. But yeah, they've managed to make it a really creepy, scary monster. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely one of the more threatening aliens that we've seen mm. in Torchwood or Doctor Who, I, I guess, for ages. And uh, yeah, there it's a really good, just horrible suspenseful time whenever you're in that room with the with the chamber and it's in you know it's just terrible and the voice is done really well yeah the voice i like the little dial it has when it speaks got like this little uh peak meter which again is it looks so classic it's just very simple Mm -hmm. yeah it's almost um they've they've definitely taken a lot of inspiration from remember the old independence day film with will smith yeah yeah and stuff there's that scene where they go into area 51 and they've got one in the uh in the room and it looks almost identical mm, it's got the windows saying, yeah. with the the blue mist inside of it and mm. you can only see the alien a little bit you can't see it properly and stuff of you know that scene uh, escalates very quickly and you do see it within like five minutes but yeah they're sort of longing this out i think they're logging it out for the i can't remember exactly but the reveal next episode of of that stuff but it's definitely a really good alien concept very it would probably be a little bit much for doctor who i would say hmm but for Torchwood, it fits perfectly. It's very gruesome, and just the thought of what's, you know, yeah, it's it's it fits Torchwood. It's a perfect design and perfect, perfectly written. So Russell came up with such a great concept for a threatening alien. This is not just a there's an alien legging around Cardiff. Let's go and capture it. You know, forty five minutes. Yeah, we've captured it. Now let's move on to the next thing. It's definitely has a lot more, a lot more weight behind it. Yeah, well, when I say it's well written, I think yeah. that they've managed to write the suspense as well. Because, like I said, it's not always it's not always fast paced. A lot of the scenes are quite slow, but not slow mm. in a boring way. It's really good edge of your seat suspense. Like you know, when they when the four five six says you know send him in, send the cameraman in, you're like what? <laughs> and then so they do it quite slowly. He goes in, and then they say, "Hang on, we're picking up three heartbeats in there." And you're like, "What is going on?" It really does keep you on the edge of this edge of your seat which is why i say it's well written because it, it, it's constantly throwing in stuff that you don't see coming and and you want answers to you know yeah yeah defo let's talk about some characters mm. bud before we move on to the main cast everything it was great to see a certain voice of the daleks on, yes. on screen yeah nick Very briggs isn't it old briggers yeah old nick briggs yeah what do you reckon to his performance then because uh very different vibe to to what we've seen because we've only really ever heard him yeah and i think he's done like little little bits and pieces over the years like um certainly no broadcast or 
theatrical stuff he's done sort of straight to video little bits here and there but we often we just hear him you know he's a voiceover guy you know traditionally so uh he hasn't got his go-to yet that we know him of, oh that's you know, why he looks different years, but, yeah i can work it out yeah yeah but what do you reckon though because he has a uh, he has quite a few lines he's in a few scenes he's in it more than i remembered because i mm. i do I, I kept waiting for him to pop up i i remembered him being in it and i knew it was in like one of the prime minister office scenes um i thought he was a tea boy i thought he was like a cameo i kept thinking any minute now nick briggs is going to pop in with a tray of biscuits say one line and and disappear that's that's how i remembered him being in it but no he's he's actually got a proper sort of part and um yeah he's quite good in it it's it's nice to see him in it as himself because he's done so much doctor who and 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 uh obviously big finish and all that so he's he's so heavily involved in the doctor who universe it's nice to see him actually in it as himself uh, for a change yeah i thought it was all right i mean i, I wouldn't mm. say he's like the best actor in the world but he's, he's certainly good in it yeah, he's certainly good enough, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's good. He's certainly in it more than I thought he was. <laughs> like, yeah. like he's like an advisor to the Prime Minister, yeah. isn't he? He's, Prime Minister's like, look, what do we do here when he's... Yeah, I think he's dealing... Uh, that whole scene, or few scenes, where you see the, the cabinet around the table and stuff, and they're having that moral dilemma around, do we sacrifice the children? Do we not? And if we do, how do we... You know, that's another you know, very dark moment where they're talking about, okay, we've decided that we are, we are going to sacrifice the kids, hmm. um, but we're only going to send, you know, a small percentage, but how do we select which kids go? That's a bit of a dark, a dark moment, but you know, and he advises and stuff. So what about the other characters then? So the prime minister, um, he, uh, he's obviously very, he's a real sort of cutthroat prime minister. This one yeah, he's, he's um, not very likable, is he? Yeah. I mean, he's very, First of all, he hasn't come clean with the Americans. So the Americans are gobsmacked. They're like, hold on a minute. Are you telling us that you've dealt with these dudes before? Mm. And he's like, well, I wasn't prime minister then. It was like, don't get out of it on a technicality. You've dealt with these dudes before. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then when they're talking about the kids, he's like, mm. okay, fine. Yep. He's like, they didn't have to twist his arm. No. When they said, you know, let's, let's sacrifice the kids. He's like, okay then, Frobisher, over to you. You go and sort out how to do it. So he's not very likable, is he, as a PM? He's but not likable. A good performance, he, though. Yeah, yeah, his performance is all right. I was going to say he he is just um, and I, purposely written to be sort of passing the responsibility around. He doesn't really do anything, which is probably quite uh, true to life, isn't it? He's just a sort of a puppet, and everyone else does the stuff around him. But he he does heavily yeah. rely on Frobisher, doesn't he? He keeps constantly throwing Frobisher under the bus. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, he was he, he had a yeah. bit more to do in this one. I, I felt he was a bit weak in the first few episodes because he didn't really didn't really get his character or much from his performance. But obviously this one, he gets to give a bit more. And he's not, not bad, actually. He's not, not a bad performance from um, from him. But yeah, he's not he's not supposed to be likeable, obviously. And he's yeah, he's not. <laughs> mm, I think, yeah, he's just meant... To, he's, he's written to be a bit of a cold. Cold, yeah, just a bit. Cold character as the PM, yeah. So that was uh, Nicholas Farrell. Uh, you mentioned Capaldi then as Frobisher, mm. another good one from him. He's he's really struggling now, isn't he? You can, there's a couple of scenes where prior to this, in the last few episodes, when the PM told him to do something other than the odd sort of glance back at him and stuff like that, he kind of just followed orders, really. He was, yep, we need to do this. And we, even when his wife's on the phone, she's like, are you coming home? He's like, no, I've got stuff to do. And he plays it down. So he's not going to see his family. He's not, you know, nothing at all. He's following orders. But... There's a couple of times where 
he goes back to the alien in the in the chamber and says you know it's absolutely ridiculous that you want that many kids mm. we're only going to you know he tries to play it a bit tough yeah and the alien's like no and he can't believe it he's like wow you know and then there's a scene in the it, when he's in, when he's in that meeting when they're discussing how many kids to to to, to do it and he's even shocked by the pm's announcement he, he announces right we are doing this you know and this is we're going to serve the kids to the aliens and uh and just looks around he's, he's in disbelief he's like looks around at everyone's faces around the table yeah. and capaldi does that brilliantly doesn't he? he acts with his face really well yeah i mean it's nice to see frobisher as the character as well getting a bit braver with the 456 if you think about what he was like in the first couple of episodes he's almost terrified of it now he's starting to sort of um stand up to it a little bit more isn't he and he's probably because he's so tired and he's just not taking as much nonsense from the 456 as he did and i think he's just starting to realize actually that you know uh, trying to appease everybody is getting him nowhere so he may as well <laughs> not bother um, but yeah, another great performance from Capaldi. Like you said, he does does say a lot of his face. You know, it's all in the eyes and the expressions. But yeah, it's nice to see him standing up to the four, five, six a bit towards the end. I liked that. Seeing a bit more fire yeah, in Frobisher's yeah. belly because he's he's a really likable character, actually, isn't he? Uh, you know, you can you can sort of relate a bit to to what's going on in his head and the fact he's just being completely used. And I think the the penny has finally dropped in Frobisher's head isn't it probably in the last episode that he's just a scapegoat really yeah absolutely yeah that he's just a scapegoat absolutely yeah but the thing is he never challenges he just gets on with it well, yeah. yeah yeah he's a bit of a yes man yeah bit of a yes man yeah and then uh his mate i think survives at the end you know his you know the oh yeah he got into uh, a suit didn't he got into a hazmat suit yeah and survives the well it looks like he survives the um the deadly toxin that was released in the building. So yeah, because I was confused so we'll at first. Him. Is it the? Is it only the room that the prime minister's in that, that the gas can't penetrate? Then everyone else in that yes, building has yeah. died, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they're even in that same building though. Oh, are they not in the same building? The oh minister. no. Okay, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I got think a bit confused in a at the end. Completely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So yeah, so he survives at the end, and. Um, Let's talk about uh, a really cool character. You've mentioned already, Lois. Lois Abina. Yeah, I like her. She um, She's undercover for most of the episode, as she has been the last one. She's got the old James Bond mm -hmm. lenses in, and she's reporting back everything. But then she has her moment, doesn't she? Basically, Gwen says, look, Jack's on his way. He's going to sort this all out. You need to, You need to do this thing for us, which we don't know what it is at the time, but then... She stands up and gives her a little speech and nobody listens at first, but then she drops the bomb. She's like, look, Torchwood have got everything here. We've recorded all of your conversations. Yeah. And if you don't let Jack in to sort this out, we'll release it to the world, blah, blah, blah. And she has a little grin on her face at the end. She's got that little sense of achievement. Yes, like, I yes, did I did it. it. Yeah. I stood up to them and, and, and backed up Torchwood and we're going to save the day. And yeah, so I agree with you, dude. She is a great character and it's a shame she doesn't go on to do anything else isn't it yeah no this is cool it's a good moment as well because you yeah you i like that she's so timid at the start and they they try and shout her down don't they they're like can i see you outside what do you think you're doing and she it spurs her up even more to actually go through with it and it's a good scene and again if you wanted to be nitpicky you could say well why would they take her word for it like she doesn't show any evidence or proof that Tor should have got it all recorded they just take it as read and i 
I guess that's just to save time, isn't it? You know, if they wanted to, it'd be like, well, show us what you've got. They'd sit down and talk about it, which would be boring to watch. So we just, they take it as read that Torch, which is telling the truth, and Torch would have, have got, you know, got them by the um, scruff of the <laughs> neck. And uh, yeah, it's a good moment because then Jack and Yanto burst in and they're like, it's all kicking off. It's all, this is good stuff. They flip the tables. Those people burst in on Gwen. You think they've captured her, but Gwen's as cool, cool as a cucumber. And it's like, again, you're just sat there thinking, this is great stuff, you know? Torchwood are really on top of this. But then, of course, just as we think they've got it all under control, the four, five, six go and do what they do and unleash the, the toxin, and it's all game over for for, the, for a lot of them. So, yeah, it's a real good... Again, it just the adrenaline, it keeps you so <laughs> into the story. Like, you know, it, it was good. Yeah. It was a good moment, yeah. yeah. It was very cool. Yeah. Uh, we say another goodbye. Oh, Clem. Clem McDonald's left sad. us. Paul Copley. Yeah, I was sad yeah. to see Clem get it. I mean, I, I think it needed to happen, I think, because he's such a good character and so brilliantly played by whoever the actor is. Um, you, you've probably got the list there, but whoever played the character of Clem uh, does such a great performance. He's so likeable and so fragile and... and um, you know, his character is so fragmented because of what's happened to him that you really feel for him. And you, Gwen is so maternal to him. She's so caring towards mm. him. Um, so it's a, it's a really sad but lovely touching moment when he does die. And it's a horrible death, really. You know, the, the, the screeching sound and his ears are bleeding and stuff. And, you know, it's quite a nasty way to go. Um, it is. But yeah, it yeah. makes it all the, gives it yeah. all the more the emotional punch. And, um, yeah, I was sad to see him go, but I felt like it sort of needed to because he, his character was brilliant. It sort of run its course, you know. But he's been he's been mm -hmm. fantastic throughout, and I really liked the character, and I thought he was played brilliantly. Yeah, no, I agree, dude. And it was it was a, a it was a horrible way to go, Nasty. and it kind of explains why over the years he he acted a bit weird, and you know when all the kids in unison started saying all the same thing, he was involved in that yeah. as well. It's because Although he wasn't abducted like the other kids, something happened to him that night back in 1965 and he somehow connected to the 456. So there's a bit where Jack and Owen's, uh, Owen, Jack and Yanto at the end are, you know, confronting the, the alien and stuff. And he says the the remnant will be disconnected. So, mm. so it sounds like some, we don't know. I mean, unless they explain it in the next episode, which I don't think they do. It just it just leaves it to the viewer's imagination that bit. It's like, well, somehow something happened with Clem that that night, and whatever happened, they didn't want him for some reason, mm. and he was just left on Earth. But there's a there's a connection to them still. Yeah, because I, I just assumed and, he'd run off. Yeah. Um, but there mm. seems to be more to it. It seems like the, he wasn't selected for some reason. He was left behind. Uh, Paul Copley is the actor. Paul Copley, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's done a great job. But but. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just thought, yeah, I like this this thing of having, like, it, it makes it such an interesting character because he was supposed to be one of the children and now he's the adult, but he's still connected to the 456 is a really interesting concept. And I, I think the scene that will stand out for me is when he first saw Jack. He's like, it's him. Mm -hmm. He's come back. It was just such a good scene. Yeah, it was a really good scene, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, really good. Uh, and you can tell that um, when when the screeching stopped and his ears and everything stopped bleeding, mm. there was just that moment, wasn't there, two or three seconds where he was 
relieved of all of the stuff that he'd carried around all of his life. So all this thing that he can't explain that he can smell things and he can, mm. you know, some weirdness about him. He's, uh, yeah, it all seems to just, there's that moment, that look in his face where it's all gone and he can probably hear silence for the first time. Yeah, it's right. It's finally and, over. And, yeah. 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 Sad. Sad. Um, and then we had just very quickly, we had Yanto's sister and her husband, so the husband's still oh, yeah. renting out the house for all the kids, making a few, making some money that way. And uh, it's Yanto's last conversation with her. So she, she's obviously really worried and he gives her the warning. He knows what's coming. He knows the government have crippled and are going to give the kids over. Yeah. So he's like, look, you need to protect your kids. Don't let them out of your sight for any reason. He gives her the warning. And that's the last conversation he ever had with, he ever has with her. So, and she's obviously really worried. worried. She can tell something is coming. She can tell it, she can tell in Yanto's voice that, something big's coming you can tell in her face and her reaction and um and that's it but yeah her the her husband is funny you know he provides a little bit of comic relief. yeah that's right yeah which it needs to be um, there's a lot of doom and gloom in this but in a good way uh it's not yeah. depressing to watch by any means but yeah it needs these little moments of comic relief i think that like reese and uh her you know yanto's uh sister's yeah. husband providing stuff yeah, yeah. I tell you, I tell you yeah. what I like as well, and this will come back to when you say Russell's a good writer. Is even little minor characters that are in in it for probably thirty seconds to a minute bring us in as the viewer. So there's a scene when Yanto's calling his sister, and uh, and he says, "And to you listening in on the on the phone, because there's somebody listening in, isn't there? A guy and he's listening into the phone call. He says, and to you listening in on the phone, you might want to think about your kids. And so forget your, forget what you've been told. Forget your priorities. Think about your family. And you start to think, yeah, if that was me, if I was in that call centre, you know, bugging this mm-hmm. phone call, would I sit there and think about my job? Or would I think, you know, hang on, this is torture. And they're saying maybe this something's going on. Because, you know, it does make you think about real life. You know, it's a rid- obviously it's a ridiculous situation. We, we can't imagine this ever happening for real, hopefully. But if you take the sort of elements that Russell throws in in the writing, like when he says, we'll make an excuse, the government say, don't they? We'll make an excuse that the children need this vaccine to stop them doing the talking. That sort of has a ring of truth about it. You can sort of imagine that in real life because, you know, not to bring in COVID vaccine or something, but let's take as an example, you know, we do to an extent have to believe what the government tell us to to an extent don't we so again you're just weaving in these little things that ring true to you and that's what i think russell's good at just you can always relate to little things that he's throwing in so even minor characters like that you can imagine yourself in their place what would i do like sort of thing yeah absolutely dude and there was a there were a few times within this episode where they were talking about the government's attitude towards invasion and stuff like that and it's real sort of strange serendipity that this is we're you know we happen to be reviewing this story with what's going on in the world right now with the ukraine and so on there was a couple of scenes where they mentioned things like that and it really did hit home it was like crap you know sometimes people just blindly follow orders i guess sometimes we do though don't we we don't question everything some people do and i think with social media we do question a lot more than we used to but you know if the government were to say if this is a real thing and you would be freaked out if your kids just kept doing what they're doing in this wouldn't you if they just kept stopping and pointing to the sky and stuff and the government said it's okay Mm. we've got this vaccine it'll stop them doing it 
you'd probably go along with it. Uh, just before someone corrects me, by the way, I do re- I've do. i just realised, obviously, <laughs> Russell didn't write this particular episode. So, although I'm gushing over Russell, this, this day four was written by John Fay. Uh, but, John uh, you Faye. know, my point still yeah. stands. It's it's well written and, and, and it's still very relatable in places. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we've spoken about... Um, We've spoken about Jack and and Gwen and so on. Is there any other cast members that you want to mention? Uh, Reese is obviously in there. Kai Owen, he's not in it that much. This one, he's not actually. He's but, not in it a lot, yeah. is he? Yeah, but still a nice little performance from him. Yeah, he's he's definitely still Reese, very much yeah. so. <laughs> um, but he's just not in it that much compared to the last three. Yeah, still good though. Yeah, still good. Yeah, yes. Um, and I think just the last scene I want to mention, which is very good, which is right at the beginning, actually, where Johnson's escorting Jack's daughter and his grandson to to the cells. Yeah. And we have that really cool little warning, like, you know, I'd, I'd, it's, she's essentially saying to Johnson, look, watch your back because, you know, a dead man's got nothing to lose. Mm. So, you know, you better watch yourself and keep on watching. And it's, she, she shows no fear. No fear at all. She's like, yeah, you can lock me up, but I'm pretty sure that my dad's going to come along at some point and kick your ass and rescue us. So just yeah. be mindful of that. So that was a cool little scene. She was very good. I like her character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's got that strong, hard edge uh, that we relate to Jack, isn't she? So you can totally yes. believe that yeah. she's his daughter. Um, yeah, it's a good scene, that. I like that. Yeah, it's cool. Okay, dude, have you got anything else on your on your notes to go through? Just the music, mate, which I thought was excellent. Um, I don't know who did the score for this, whether it's the same person doing this whole series or Ben Foster or whoever. But um, I just think the music was so, I'm going to use the word again, so classic sci-fi, so creepy, um, just really added to the atmosphere of the whole episode. You know, action music when we needed it, creepy Mm -hmm. like music when they were going into the 456 box with the cameraman. The music's on top point. I always get Ben Foster and his brother mixed up, and I've got a feeling it's his other brother. It might not even be one of the Fosters, but it was Ben. Foster it was Ben Foster, one, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff from yeah, him. He's very good, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, he's really good at the emotional scores, Ben Foster. I find. Yeah, I wish I could remember um, his brother's name because they both do music. <laughs> and uh, is Ben the conductor? Or is the brother? Oh, anyway, they're both. Well, good. well they do both. Yeah. So Ben Foster does uh, both. Um, you know, he composes and he conducts and so yeah. on. Yeah. Well, they did actually do a soundtrack um, I've just seen here. Don't remember that. Torture with Children mm. of Earth soundtrack came out in um, 10th of July, presumably the same oh, year okay. then. Wow, yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but his brother also does that, that stuff as well. I can't remember his brother's name, but um, yeah. Oh, Ben Foster. He's a very talented guy. Yeah. I should yeah. know it. I've got, I've, I've actually got a piano signed by both of them downstairs. My piano is signed. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Signed, one side is signed by Ben Foster and his brother signed the other. Um, <laughs> but I can't think of his name. Sorry. <laughs> Mr. Foster. Let's, let's, the other Mr. Foster. Let's solve this right now. Let's I've just tried up. looking at that while we're on Oh, it could be Nick Foster. It is, yeah. Nick yeah, Foster. Yeah. And I think it was Nick that I bought the piano off of because Ben's the conductor, right? Well, Ben's the composer and the conductor. Right. He does both. And his brother, Nick, does... I'm not sure if he's a conductor, but he's definitely a musician I think, composer yeah, as well. Yeah, I think it was Nick yeah. that I bought the piano off then, because they were both there when I went to collect here, so they both signed it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Lovely. Yeah. 
Nice. Okay, dude, let's get on to scores then. It's you to go first, mate. What are you saying? Uh, uh, well, I'm giving this an eight, which I think is what I've given every other uh, day, isn't it? I think all of this series so far I've given an eight. Um, you have, yeah. And yep. yeah, I just, I don't think I'll go any lower. I think it's, I've enjoyed it just as much as the other episodes. There wasn't any bit in it where I was like, yeah, this isn't quite as good or it's starting to lose it now or day four and the storyline's running out. I didn't feel like that at all during this so i'm going to give it an eight same as it's been a solid series so far for mm, me cool okay um i'm going to give this a nine a nine i'm going to give it a nine yeah i thought this was um just fantastic All right wow not just a fan yeah not just a fantastic torchwood story but just a brilliant a brilliant bit of television mate i think it had everything in there it had emotion action despair atmosphere suspense dark moments which are a bit more adult but layered in a way that's relevant to Torchwood not just adult for the sake of being adult if that makes sense yeah yeah I do yeah, yeah. I totally yeah. agree I just want to quickly ask you as well yeah. do you think because watching this uh, you know and it feels like we had the same feeling after it finished about this you know this great science fiction program uh, television can you think of anything on TV at the moment that gives you that feeling is there any good sci-fi that you're really into at the minute that gives you this vibe because when i switched it off i just felt like i kind of without wanting to sound nostalgic i kind of missed that this sort of science fiction and i don't know whether i'm just not watching the right programs but i can't think of anything i'm watching at the minute that is what i would call classic science fiction yeah it's a tough one that i think there's a you know like we used to have x files and things like that but we don't really have that now do we it's all sort of superheroes and stuff at the minute there's there's a few bits knocking around, um, like Lost in Space on Netflix. That's a that's a sort of decent modern retelling of some classic mm. sci-fi, and that's quite sci-fi-y, I guess. It's pretty good, but I know what you mean. There's not there's not an abundance of decent sci-fi like this to dive into. It comes in, yeah. It's it's mainly um, superhero stuff, isn't it? And yeah, I mean every genre has its day, doesn't yeah. it? It all comes full circle and. At the minute, we're in very much into sort of superhero stuff, aren't we? But yeah, I was just trying to think. I mean, yeah. I, I can't, yeah, I can't think of any sort of any sci-fi I've watched recently where I've been really blown away by it. It's been some good stuff, but yeah, it just gave me a real sort of cool feeling when I finished watching this. Of that was good yeah, sci-fi. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of our listeners will probably reply and say, "Actually, guys, there's this, this, yeah, this, I'm this, sure this, they will, and I'd, I'd be interested to know what whatever. people are watching." Yeah. yeah. Yeah, send us your recommendations. Give us a tweet. Um, any cool sci-fi that's out there, and we'll check. I mean, it out. Stranger Things, but that's a couple of years ago now. You know, I mean, and even that went a bit off the boil. Yeah, that is great though, dude. Isn't it? I, yeah, Things. I loved Series One. That's I good. loved Series yeah. One. Series Two and Three were good, but yeah, but Series One was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, we're not alone as well. So this particular episode, Day Four, mm. it was the most successful single episode of score of torchwood ever so it scored the highest ratings of any torchwood episode uh, with the final audience number of 6.8 million Mm. it was the 11th most watched program that week and uh, the ai index was 91 percent wow that's which is huge Yeah. yeah which is very good so um yeah, we're not alone in in this. Um, the only AI, in, uh, the only time that the AI index has been equaled by that was the Stolen Earth and Journey's End. Wow. Okay. From Doctor Who. Yeah. So that is pretty. That is very yes. loved, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Uh, so anyway, it's, uh, it's uh, a nine from me and an eight from him. So what did our listeners think over on Twitter? Sam, uh, Sam Dooley says, this is the peak of Torchwood thus far until we reach day five. Everything about this is beautiful, from the music to the pacing to the performances. I love this season so much and this episode and its final 10 minutes encapsulate why. My first 10 out of 10 submitted review for the pod. A 10 out of 10. Awesome. Yeah, 10 from Sam. Thank you, Sam. Will Sanger says, just a thrilling and spectacular penultimate episode. The 456 is truly an unstoppable threat, yet the story also explores very human issues with the elitist mindset of government figures compromising morality. Mm. It's heartbreaking and challenging for the characters. You're bang on with that, Will. That's a good way of describing that. Yeah. Uh, Chippy T says, brilliant, an episode to make you angry, tearful and despairing of our leaders. None of us would want to make these decisions, but totally, and in brackets, and purposely written to show how the dispossessed and socially disadvantaged would be sacrificed. TV with a social commentary, a 9.5. Wow, cool. Charlie B says, such a fantastic emotional episode. Wish I could say this was the saddest episode of the series, but I can't. A solid 9 out of 10. Mm. And Sarah Louise, the running Whovian, says, beautifully written, wonderfully delivered, and just the right balance of emotion, drama, and politics. Clem and Frobisher were again the standouts for me, and both Captain Jack and Agent Johnson's characters were convincing as they each switched from a position of confidence to vulnerability. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, A nine out of ten from Sarah. Mm. That is very cool, actually. That's that scene where Johnson goes to the Torchwood Warehouse all guns blazing and then Gwen says actually take a watch of this and then you might not be so keen to follow you know so that was very yeah brings her right crashing down to earth doesn't it which is uh we've all been waiting for yeah yes and thank you very much on twitter over on facebook we had uh, our writer harry very short and sweet in capital letters just says yanto no with exclamation (laughs) marks so you can tell that harry's shouting that at his laptop joseph howarth says things are really heating up uh, but no, Yanto died. I mean, kind of already knew he died because of the real life shrine, but I was still sad during the death scene. I think Children of Earth is slowly but surely becoming my favourite set of episodes of Torchwood ever. Finale, here we come, a nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. And lastly, Andrew Stewart says, it is pretty good. The last 20 minutes was the better half. Somehow I completely forgot Yanto died in this episode. I thought it would have been the last one. Frobisher is really good, but the rest of the party, e.g. Prime Minister, and everyone else around the table just gets on my nerves. I'd give it a 6.5. I know the last one is hopefully going to be better. I really hope it has a good conclusion. I really do, because it's been so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okie dokie dude, that's going to do for uh, for Children of Earth. Thank you very much, listener, for sending in your your reviews and your your scores out of 10. Very much appreciated, as always. Uh, next week, dude, what have we got? So next week, we'll be reviewing a Tenant episode, and it is The Next Doctor. I remember remember when this the went next out. The Next Doctor. Yeah. All the, yeah. All the debates about, yeah, is this the new Doctor? Because Tenant had announced he was <laughs> off, didn't he? So, yeah, The yeah. Next Doctor. Clickbait, Clickbait title from, yeah. from Russell in that one. Oh, yeah. Russell rubbing his hands together, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> if only they knew. Yeah. <laughs> Rightio. So I think we're going to do there, but let's wrap it up for 344. All righty.
thank you thank you so much for coming back and listening to another episode that was 344 thank you so much to sending in for those of you that sent in your audio sorry your twitter <laughs> facebook reviews and your scores out of 10 uh, it's an old habit there uh, your scores out of 10 it was very cool to see what you guys thought of torchwood children of earth day four and uh yeah day five will be uh, a, a real interesting climax let's hope uh, let's hope that ends on a on a real decent one because so far it's been awesome but next week we're going away from torture we're back to modern doctor who the tenant tenth doctor story the next doctor so get that watched as we'll be asking for your thoughts and reviews as always in the meantime make sure you follow this podcast on your fave podcast app of choice we put a new episode out every friday just search for the big blue box you'll find us there or head over to the website bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of the episodes there for free as well plus you can read all of the reviews and article and opinion pieces from our core writing team so maria jordan mark harry matt dive into all of their stuff it's very very cool we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook links are on the website or search for us and we have a free discord server there's a link on the website so hop over there and chat doctor who with other who fans also remember to check out my co-host channel over on youtube it is of course the geeks handbag the geeks handbag yes go and check out all my doctor who vids and unboxings and goodness knows what else <laughs> <laughs> loads of loads of cool stuff from Adam on YouTube and he's on the socials too under the same name The Geek's Handbag so go and give him a like and a follow and we'll all chat Doctor Who during the week until next time my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember in, in- London. London.